It's a football podcast with Sotman Dean. Uh, we're, we're not going to have no tour slander from you guys. Tyler Dragon. Us three can run faster 40 times than Tom Brady. And Josina Anderson. Now am I going into wild zone talking about potential proud Super Bowl champions? Each week, our USA Today Sports Plus Insiders talk access, analyze O's, and bring you behind the scenes. Exclusive, entertaining, insightful, because they know football. But what's it called? It's a football podcast. I'm hoping you're feeling the energy here. I'm your host, Safa Dean. Really, really excited to get started with you guys. I'll be joined in a little bit by my fellow NFL insiders, Tyler Dragon and Josina Anderson. Uh, we're really, really excited to get started here with USA Today Sports Plus. In your hands, in your phone, in your email, make sure you download the USA Today Sports Plus app as well. We're going to be hitting you from all angles, all right? So let's get started with today's show. Week one of the NFL season, Cowboys at Bucks. I'm really excited to go see this game on Thursday night. Um, seeing Tom Brady debut in his 22nd uh, season here in the NFL. I-, I wanted to kick it to you guys and get your your experiences watching Tom Brady play in person. Um, what was the game like? Which game did you go to? Did he win? Did he lose? And I'm going to throw it to you, our senior NFL insider, Josina Anderson. Uh, I recall the Super Bowl that the Patriots played against the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks pretty much felt like they had the game won. And I recall that the defensive line and that LOB defense was really getting after uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots, particularly in the fourth quarter. And then if I recall correctly, uh, Cliff Averill uh, got hurt. Um, I think he got concussed and left that game. I also believe Julian Edelman got hit in the head, but the difference in the fourth quarter was that uh, Julian Edelman did not leave. And you saw the immediate difference with Cliff Averill out of that defense and how Tom Brady was able to just carve up uh, the Seahawks. And then, you know, the fateful things that happened right at the end of that game (laughs) where now the, uh, Seahawks are trying to, you know, march back and it looks like they have it won at the goal line. And obviously we know the play with them electing to throw and not run and Malcolm Butler uh, making that interception. But the overall characteristics that stick with me um, when it comes to Tom Brady um, is just his never say die mentality, how fired up and engaged that he stays on the sideline. And even at this age, we've mentioned Tom Brady's age multiple times in the amount of seasons that he's been uh, in the NFL. None of that has died down. And if I tie it back to something more recent last season, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost both, both of their games against the New Orleans Saints during the regular season. And right off the bat, it looked like, whoa, what is this experiment going to look like? And the fact that out of the bye, they were able to win the last four games and really, I think, gather their confidence through the postseason. Um, All of that, I think, starts with the top from Tom Brady and how he infuses that Super Bowl elite confidence into that team. And as long as he can maintain that level uh, where they left off with that championship, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a totally different team, having now had that confidence uh, underneath them. Well, the most recent time I saw Tom Brady play in person was 2019. It was the Cincinnati Bengals versus New England Patriots. 
And of course, the Patriots won because they played the Bengals. I think it was like 34 <laughs> that game. And what really stuck out to me is Tom Brady has total control of the game. I hate to make this comparison, but he's like the LeBron James of the NFL. LeBron James dictates the pace of the game, has control of the game in the NBA. Tom Brady is the same way behind center at quarterback. He knows what to do. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's poised. He knows how to maneuver within the pocket. He's not mobile at all. I think us three can run faster 40 times than Tom Brady, but he doesn't get sacked because he's so comfortable and he knows where he is in the pocket. He knows how to maneuver and create and buy time in the pocket. And he just has total command of the game and the situation at all times. I can't remember the last time I've seen Tom Brady rattle. Maybe the time he didn't know what down it was. <laughs> but even then, that he still – like we were all caught by surprise because that was so unfamiliar of Tom Brady. We'd never seen that from him before. But then he went around and won the Super Bowl a few months later. <laughs> so you know, that would really – sticks out to me about Tom Brady is just his poise, his total command of the football game, and just his ability to win almost every single year. Seven Super Bowls, it's hard to deny his greatness. I was one of the last people on the bandwagon to call Tom Brady the quarterback goat. I wanted, like, being from California, I was on the Joe Montana bandwagon probably up until last year. But then after he won that Super Bowl title, I was like, okay, you know what? I have to give it up to Tom Brady. It only took ring number seven for Brady for you for you to realize <laughs> which quarterback was the GOAT now, right? <laughs> yeah, it only took ring number seven. I was a little bit biased with Joe Montana. I grew up watching him. Joe Montana's number two, though. Of like, course, of course. He's up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see Brady play on Thursday. Uh, this is going to be my third time, like I mentioned before. Um, my favorite time was probably the last time I saw him, 2019 season. Uh, that was the one game Antonio Brown played for the Patriots. Um, so I remember that distinctly because Antonio Brown had five targets and he caught, I think, at least four of them. Um, but Tom Brady did not look anybody else's way when he was throwing the ball to Antonio Brown. And, and everybody wanted to see that as well because you have – Brady being the best quarterback, you know, of all time, and Antonio Brown being one of the best receivers in the NFL, um, particularly two years ago, even more at that time, right after the Raiders deal and that whole debacle for him. Um, Brady just threw without even Antonio Brown, you know, turning around before he's ready to catch it. And sure enough, as soon as Brown makes his makes his turn, makes his transition from running to catch the ball, the football's right there in his hands. Um, another great play that I saw Brady through is just like, Antonio Brown smacked the back of the DB to kind of create some space. And the ball was right there. I mean, Brady, the command that he has, the sharpness that he has, um, he still has it even at 44 years old. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but he threw for more yards than Patrick Mahomes did last year and threw more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers did last year. Um, So when you think about that, uh, he's still got it. He's not showing any signs of slowing down. And we're not slowing down here either at USA Today Sports Plus. Uh, we got Tom Brady really featured in a, in a unique light here. Um, I'm really excited to, to see how this, uh, this project we have coming out is called Pocket Tales. So we have five great quarterbacks in the NFL. The storylines surrounding these quarterbacks, including Tom Brady, who's going to look like a little uh, Peter Pan with a little uh, a Tinker Gronk uh, flying in the background here. 
Uh, Peter Pan, I love that for Tom Brady. He's like the ageless wonder here in the NFL. We're finally going to see what year 22 is going to be for him. What is 44th year of life in the NFL is going to be like. Uh, I'm really excited to see how the season starts off in Tampa with the Cowboys and with the Bucks. All right. I want to take a turn here. This is producer Emily, and I'm not going to let you guys praise Tom Brady for the entire podcast. So let's talk about something that Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said last month to NFL Network. He said, quote, we're going to have a lot of prayer so we can get the courage to show up. Let me tell you this. World champion Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, great atmosphere. What a better opportunity to step up there and be David against Goliath. So what do we think here? Is Jerry just trying to sell us something or is this matchup really David versus Goliath? Listen, Jerry is just all about hyping up his team. We all know that. There's no reason they have millions and millions and millions. And I'm talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. In that stadium, in that practice facility, they're paying HBO to come and film the show for, for them to have some exposure. And poor Dak Prescott's been injured most of the whole training camp. But Jerry Jones is trying to hype up his team. He's got, he feels like he's going to win every single season. Call him naive, call him optimistic. But uh, David and Goliath, I mean, come on. I, I don't think that the, the Cowboys are that too down on their luck. And I don't know, maybe the Bucks are that great, but uh, Goliath, I'm not sure yet. What do you think, Josina? Uh, maybe from, uh, the mentality standpoint, I mean, you're talking about championship mentality and a team that's really still trying to, uh, gather their confidence that they are among the best in the NFL. And I'm not just talking about in the regular season or in the division, <laughs> I'm talking about postseason success. So I could buy that mentally in terms of the championship swagger that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming in with. Um, and just from the simple fact that you mentioned it, Dak Prescott has missed that time. He still has to kind of reconnect um, with uh, Amari Cooper, who I think in the first four games, he had like nine receptions, a hundred plus receiving yards that he was averaging. They were really hot before, you know, um, they had to go the, down the path of a whole bunch of different quarterbacks last season. Um so in, in a way, it is kind of true when you just think about the, the lore of the, the quarterback and what they were able to accomplish um, in comparison to the um, Dallas Cowboys and what their last championships coming during the Jimmy Johnson day. So <laughs> if you put it <laughs> in that, con- I mean, if you're putting it in that context, it kind of really is. Um, but it's every any given Sunday, you still have to show up. But top to bottom, when you're looking at the offense, you're looking at the defense. I mean, they're just sound. They're just, they're just sound. They're not figuring it out. You know, they're not trying to gather their confidence. They don't have a quarterback, you know, who didn't play for umpteen games last season, you know, didn't connect with the wide receivers hardly in the, in the off season, you know? So if you're counting some other factors like that, yes, yes. I'm not, I'm not mad at Jerry Jones, you know, depicting it that way. Cause it kind of, to a degree, it kind of is. What I get from that quote is Jerry Jones knows how to market the Cowboys, market the game, and market the NFL. I mean, for crying out loud, the Cowboys are the richest franchise in the world. So Jerry Jones knows what he's doing. He wants everybody to watch this game and watch this team. And he's fingers crossed hoping that the Dallas Cowboys pull off the upset. But I I agree with you, too. I think they're going to have – their hands full. Not only is Dak Prescott coming back off an of injury, he's going to be rusty, not having Zach Martin uh, at guard, that guard position. So the Dallas Cowboys, 
I have them losing this game. It is kind of the David versus Goliath deal. However, though, when teams win Super Bowls and they're coming off of, you know, having their ring ceremony in in, in any sport, there's kind of a lull right there, especially in the first quarter, second quarter, because they're still looking at their rings, still looking at their jewelry and all excited, still coming off the high from last season. So, you know, their attention might not be on the game at the start. So the Cowboys have a good opportunity to start off well, get off to a first quarter, second quarter lead, and, you know, carry that momentum. But mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. I do uh, believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, will pull themselves together in this game. Um, but let's just say that that fat cat syndrome carried off into the season. Um, I, I more than expect them to gather themselves and, and be focused when, when they need to be. Let's just look at that from the other side, too, though. How much does this have to do with the fact that a lot of people have this already chalked up to the first loss of the season for Dallas? They're already looking behind to, or past that to the fact that Dallas then plays eight consecutive teams that had losing records last year. So how much is Dallas focused on this game? How much should they focus on this game? And how much are they maybe going to compare it with the fact that they've got Goliath versus... <laughs> eight teams that lost that had losing records in 2020. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting stretch for the Cowboys, obviously. But week one, when you're playing the champs and you're going into their building and you're trying to see who you guys are still because you didn't have Dak Prescott last year. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't as effective without Dak last year. Your O-line is going in without Zach Martin. Um, so you're not all the way secure there. And you're really hoping on the other side of the, the, the ball that your defense is improved. Dallas had one of the worst you know, defenses in the NFL last season. So I'm really interested to see how they perform here in this first game. Um, I obviously think I, I like the fat cat. You know, I, I always big fan of the fat cat for the first of all, by the way. Um, but I, I definitely think the, the bus can get some fat cat syndrome here and loving their rings, being in the moment, kind of celebrating and, and kind of, I don't want to say forgetting, but letting the game be on the back burner a little bit. We we all go no. I don't think Tom Brady's going to allow that, like you guys mentioned there. But um, yeah, it's definitely not going to last long. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to last long. I mean, it, listen, you got Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. You know, you got Godwin. I mean, I mean, they just they have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, so it it is as long as Tom Brady is upright and the Dallas Cowboys are not effective and, you know, executing pressure against him, particularly when he's trying to drive the ball down the field and he needs more time to set up and not just executing the quick game to avoid the rush. Um, and, and no one's cracking his back, you know, in the first half of the first quarter. Um, you know, they, they should be able to get over whatever potential residue there is of fat cat syndrome, you know, relatively soon. Mm-hmm. They should. The talent should, yeah, ba- the talent should bail them out. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys view this game as a measuring stick game. Mm-hmm. However, they're still going to lose. But <laughs> they, they believe that this game, I mean, the defending Super Bowl champions, they want to see where they're at at this point in the season. And Dak Prescott, he wants to see, you know, if his ankle's okay, if he's still one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And we haven't mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. Nobody mentions his name amongst the top running backs in the league anymore. And so I believe Ezekiel Elliott is going to be motivated to have a big game too. However, yeah, I think we're all in agreement right here that the Dallas Cowboys are going to 
the 0-1 after Thursday night. Even though it felt like an off year for Ezekiel, he still had 900-plus rushing yards, right? And so the, the talent is still there. Obviously, the opportunity to be behind a you know, more healthy offensive line. Um, and, and I just want to kind of explain something that I was saying about the fat cat syndrome. I don't really think it's going to be in terms of lethargy, right? Even if you were watching the college football games on Saturday and the whole thing would jump around and, you know, and Gus Johnson and everyone's got, I mean, just the sheer energy of the fans back in the stands, you'd be really, you have to be under a rock for that not to infuse you. So I think really where, what I'm talking about is whether it shows up in their uh, lack of focus in terms of, you know, just not being as crisp, not necessarily in terms of the energy not being there. So I want to make sure that that's clear, you know, in terms of what I'm talking about. But like I said, there really is no excuse for that to happen when you're talking about just the overflow of talent. I mean, you could close your eyes and just see a whole bunch of, you know, future potential Hall of Famers, you know, on this team if, you know, if they all continue going in the direction that they are under uh, Tom Brady and, and, and winning championships and things like that. Time now for our picks with the insiders. Every week, the Sports Plus insiders will not only pick the best games of the week, but also give you the predictions of the game. And right off the bat, we've got the Cowboys, who were 6-10 and 10 last year, going up against the Bucks, who are 11-5. and five. The Bucks in this game, guys, are 7.5 favorites. Uh, very interesting to see uh, how Dak Prescott does, especially after coming off of that injury on his right ankle, not having much time in the preseason to gel with his guys. And the Buccaneers obviously coming off of their championship game uh, and title uh, last season. So who do you guys have in this game? Man, I got I got the Bucs winning that. I think we all agreed to the Bucs winning earlier here in this podcast. But at seven and a half, I actually like that. I, I think the Bucs are going to win at least by 10. Uh, I'm not sure how the Cowboys offense is going to look. And um, we'll see how that goes. That's probably the biggest storyline in this game, how the Cowboys offense looks after we, we deal with the, the Tampa's uh, fat cat syndrome early on in the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think the Bucks are going to start off a little bit slow, but I think they're going to gather their composure and win this game pretty handily. I have them winning by double digits. Uh, the Cowboys, they, they still have a lot to work on, as we alluded to earlier. Dak Prescott coming off his ankle injury needs some time to get acclimated with his new teammates and get back in the swing of things. The loss of Zach Martin uh, due to COVID, that's going to be a tough blow for that offensive line. So the Dallas Cowboys, I think they're going to start this season off 0-1 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get off on the right track and defending their Super Bowl title starting off the season 1-0. All right, so the next game on the slate that we are featuring here is Steelers, who were 12-4 and last year, going up against the Bills, who were 13-3. and The Bills in this game, guys, are six-and-a-half favorites. Um, very interesting to see how the Steelers will kind of come back. You almost forget that they were on this huge winning streak last year, and then uh, Bud Dupree suffered that ACL injury, and it kind of just, I don't know, messed up their whole defensive flow, and then they had that unfortunate loss against the Browns, and then Bills uh, with Josh Allen getting deep into the postseason. Interesting age just juxtaposition between Allen and Ben Roethlisberger. What do you guys see from this game? Yeah, I definitely see the Bills. I, I think the Bills are going to going to win this one. They're at home. Um, Buffalo. We all know Buffalo is probably one of the rocket, you know, the most raucous places to play <laughs> in the NFL. And Josh Allen only feeds the Buffalo fans and, and their fandom. Um, he played incredible last year. He had an MVP caliber season. Um, definitely should have been, you know, high up in that conversation. Should have won the MVP, in my opinion. Um, but I, I really like him over over the Steelers. I, I think the Bills. 
are, are going to make a push for the AFC title game again uh, this season, Tyler. It's going to be interesting how Buffalo plays this year with a target on their back for the first time in a while. But I believe Josh Allen and Bills are going to win this game. The Steelers, they went out like world beaters last year, starting 11-0, and then the train fell off the tracks. <laughs> they lost to the – I mean, I hate to rank on the Bengals all the time because I used to cover them, but they lost to the Bengals Monday night football <laughs> prime time. You know, that's how you know – Things are bad. Not even with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, I think Father Time is knocking on his door. His arm strength mm-hmm. kind of waned last year, so I'm going to be interested to see how he performs at the start of the season. To see if his arm strength, if he can push passes beyond ten yards and not dink and dunk his way down the field. But that Buffalo defense, along with Josh Allen, no boys in office, I think that's going to be too much for the Steelers to overcome. Plus. They're in Buffalo in that Rockets environment. I have the Buffalo Bills firing off the team. All right. And then this next game, guys, very, very intriguing. The Dolphins, who were 10 and 6 last season, going up against the Patriots, who were 7 and 9. Uh, Patriots, three uh, point favorite here. But what's really interesting about this game is that the Patriots just switched up their quarterback like two seconds ago. You've got Mac Jones now in there. Not only are people going to be watching that locally, but they're going to be watching it nationally to see if the Patriots made the right decision as far as, uh, you know, a quarterback that you had that went to the Super Bowl 2015. Now you got the rookie in there. And, of course, the Dolphins who are trying to carry over that momentum and everything that they've been building under Brian Flores, really, you know, showing some good development there. But then even some quarterback questions there. We'll see. Uh, we got our guy here who's the Dolphins, uh, you know, expert, if even Tua makes it through the season as the quarterback as well for the Miami Dolphins. Listen, this, Sean Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is the first podcast, guys. Tyler, Josina, we're, we're not going to have no Tua slander from you guys, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to stand for it. It's not going to happen. We're, we're, we're going to hold down Tua here in Miami. I, I'm from, you know, coming from Miami here. But I'm really interested to see this game, too. Um, I, the, this is a game the Dolphins should win. I, I think if Brian Flores is the coach that he wants to be, um, and if Tua is the quarterback that he wants to be, and kind of to quiet down the Deshaun Watson rumors that came up recently, um, as, as recent as last week here, um, I think if, if those two guys are really who they say they are, I think the Dolphins come out and win. There's no reason why Mac Jones um, should have much success against his Dolphins defense. You're looking at the Dolphins who have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. They should be the best cornerback tandem in the league um, with Xavier Howard leading the league in interceptions a season ago. Um, I, you know, you can't bet against Pey- uh, Bill Belichick. I'm certainly not betting against them, but I think the Dolphins are want to be who they want to be this season. They need to win this game. Yeah, Tua should be playing with a chip on his shoulder with all the Deshaun Watson rumors. And the Miami Dolphins have made it clear that they're not sold that he's their franchise quarterback, quarterback of the future. However, with all that being said, I do believe the Dolphins are going to win this game. I believe uh, Brian Flores, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at Matt Jones. You want to try to rattle rookie quarterback, trying to try to confuse him defensively. I think they're going to throw some complex blitz packages at him to kind of rattle him, and it's going to be too much for Mac Jones and the Patriots to overcome. So I do have the Dolphins winning. However, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people anticipate. Bill Belichick, you cannot count out him, best coach in the National Football League. So him alone roaming the sidelines, that gives the Patriots a chance, but I do have the Dolphins winning this. 
And you know what's very interesting about the next matchup that we're going to talk about, and that's the Cleveland Browns, who were 11 and five last year. Oh, by the way, you know, after going what 0 and 16 just a few years before that, and <laughs> going up against the Chiefs, uh, who were 14 and two last year. Obviously, the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, six point favorites in this one. But if you go back, I believe it is in the divisional round game when these two teams faced last year, and the Chiefs really just kind of eked out that game. And I, I have to make this point just because I remember watching it. I, I, I think so if I, my memory is uh, straight here. But if you recall that touchdown that was – or that, you know, that almost score that was taken away from Rashard Higgins and it should have been called a helmet to helmet that kind of just effectively messed up the Browns' drive. What if that had called gotten called right? Would it have been the Browns and not the Chiefs? And then would we even be talking about – Tampa Bay, or is that just too much? Now am I going into wild zone talking about potential (laughs) Brown Super Bowl champions? But nonetheless, this is an interesting rematch because I can tell you what, guys, Cleveland remembers some calls that should have been made that were not made in that game. And, oh, by the way, they did not have Odell Beckham Jr. What do you guys think about this game? I feel yeah, like she's really? making a case for the Browns. I mean, she's not making <laughs> predictions, but she's kind of making a case for the Browns. What I'm saying is that that was a key miss by the officials. That was a huge <laughs> miss by the officials, and that needs to be brought up, and I'm sure it will be brought up in setting up this game by the commentators hold leading into this hold weekend. Hold on, hold on. According to Josina, the Cleveland Browns won the 2020 uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> if that call was caught right, called right, would the Browns have been the AFC representative? Mm. What would have happened? You know, I mean, you're saying you not you never know, but uh, but it doesn't change the fact that that it wouldn't have brought back Odell, who obviously missed the game because of the ACL injury. So, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like the Chiefs over the Browns this mm-hmm. time around too. I, I I think Cleveland's going to certainly remember everything that happened last season. I think Buffalo and Cleveland are probably two of the hottest teams last year in the playoff mix outside of the Bucks who, who finished season eight and zero. Um, but Cleveland's going to remember what, what what happened in Kansas City, and they got to go play in Kansas City again, too. So I like the Chiefs. I like Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You can't bet, you know, unless they're playing the Bucks, you can't bet against them, right? Uh, I think the, the Chiefs, we've seen that they're, they're, they're human. They can be beatable. Um, you know, beating, beating the Chiefs during the regular season, I mean, you know, some teams are going to do that. But in the playoffs, it's a much bigger thing because of the, the kind of player Patrick Mahomes is. And to see them go down last season, I definitely think the Chiefs are going to be on a little run of redemption, and I think the Browns are just going to be the first team in their way this, you know, this week. Well, can I have to mention this too? So, you know, where I go get my nails done, uh, the guy had <laughs> asked me. The guy had asked me for a prediction right before you know the game, and you know, right after I left the nail salon is when the news broke about what happened with Andy Reid's son. And so, you know, I always bring that back up because he's trying to, you know, bring that back in my face. And I was like, no, 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 no. That is a game changing headline, you know, to have something obviously very tragic happen as we kind of change tone just slightly, um, you know, with regards to that Super Bowl. So that has to be in the back of the minds of the Chiefs players. You know, what if that didn't happen? Where would our head coach's mind have been? What would have been, you know, the cast on that game? So they, one, get a chance to kind of, uh, move forward, so to speak, although obviously all, you know, consideration and respect due to, you know, what happened with the young girl's family. Um, but at the same time, you know, seeing, you know, what the difference is and if as an organization, they have detached themselves away from that somewhat. So you just wanted to put that out there because that was a huge, huge, huge headline uh, for the Chiefs rather 
prior to the Super Bowl, not obviously directly connected to the Browns, but this is they're coming off of that experience coming into this game. Let me quickly transition to the last game, the Monday night game, that being the Ravens, who are 11 and five last season uh, against the Raiders, who are uh, were eight and eight. The Raiders in this game, four and a half favorites. You're looking at the Ravens, who are having a lot of uh, injury um, experiences during the preseason, mainly J.K. Dobbins, who goes down. You like that tandem before with Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins, um, obviously with one of the most rushing quarterbacks in the league, that being disrupted somewhat. And then the Raiders trying to figure themselves out uh, in another year under Jay Gruden. What do you guys like from this game? So wait, I don't even get to pick the the Chiefs game. Just seeing this like that. Oh, did I miss that? Let's roll. Let's just rewind. <laughs> we we just kind of forgot about you, but now we'll, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. You're back on. You're back on. <laughs> I really want this. I really mm-hmm. want this. Just like this on the podcast. I really want everybody to listen to that. <laughs> Who are you picking? Are you surprising us, or are you doing some? You know, are you going with the conventional thought? I mean, here? Tyler, if you don't surprise us with the pick with with the Browns pick, we're, we're I really mean, just I had all the time. Meeting. I see. Josine was talking about the nail salon. I was going to go in the barber shop. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, Josina was talking about the nail nail salon. Us in the barber shop, mm-hmm. we like the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs are going to be on a revenge tour this entire season. And ultimately win their second Super Bowl in three seasons. I have them starting off this year strong and beating uh, Josina's AFC uh, representative. <laughs> I'm just joking. Chiefs, they, their offense is high power. We all know Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, is the best player in the National Football League. He has Tyreek Hill on offense, Travis uh, Kelsey at tight end. Their defense, Tyron Matthews and those boys, they're going to be out for revenge and get their second Lombardi trophy. So I have the Chiefs starting off strong this year beating the Cleveland Browns. And I'll just insert one little note, not anything that I'll expand upon right now, um, but there, there, there could be one element that does impact this game. Uh, so just kind of stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, I know that's kind of like a really pregnant piece. So that's not that's saying a much. great tease. I, you know, just 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 keep keep it locked to, to USA Today Sports Plus and also my Twitter timeline. We'll see what's happening there. But I will what? go. I will go back now to this Ravens Raiders game. We talked about it. Um, Ravens were eleven and five last year. Raiders eight eight and eight. Raiders four and a half point favorites coming into this game. Um, you guys kick it off. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's the the Lamar Jackson show. I, I'm gonna get back to the point where I, I talk about Josina's uh, 2020 Cleveland Browns Super Bowl title, and then Tyler <laughs> predicting the Chiefs to come and, and win their second Super Bowl title here too. But I got I got the Lamar Jackson show on, on Monday night. That's what I want to see. Um, they got some new receivers in, in Baltimore now, and the J.K. Dobbins injury is really really disappointing. Um, J.K. Dobbins uh, trains here in South Florida. I've seen him a couple times. You know, throughout the offseason, you know, a kid who worked really, really hard, um, try to have a strong second season. Unfortunately, he's going to be on the shelf this year. Um, I don't like that for Baltimore's uh, prospects long term, uh, but I definitely like it over the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I'm actually going to be at the game in Las Vegas, so I'm really excited for that for personal reasons, Las Vegas and obviously work related. I do have the Ravens winning out of the game. Lamar Jackson, this is a huge year for him. Uh, he wants to get another contract. He's still playing on his rookie uh, deal. Uh, he wants to be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the National Football League. He's out to prove that he's one of the better quarterbacks 
in the NFL. He doesn't have a really good playoff record. I want to see how he develops as a pocket passer. A lot of teams are kind of taking away his running ability and forcing him to throw the football. So I want to see how much Lamar Jackson has improved this season uh, passing the football. The loss of J.K. Dobbins does hurt uh, their high-powered running game. They had the league's number one uh, rushing attack last year. And defensively, the loss of Matt Judon hurts the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he's with the New England Patriots now. Uh, the Ravens run a blitz-happy defense, but Matt Judon was their uh, sack leader last year. They're going to have a tough time getting after the quarterback defensively. Uh, but overall, I think the Raiders, they're not a really good football team. I have them uh, finishing last in the AFC West, quite frankly. So uh, the Baltimore really? one of uh, a team that's, in my opinion, a, a Super Bowl uh, favorite in the AFC. And so I have them winning this game. Uh, Monday Night Football kind of showcasing uh, the Raiders' new home, but the Ravens are going to spoil the party, and Lamar Jackson is going to get it done. So you've got the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater's Broncos, now ahead of uh, Carr's Raiders, who just added, um, what's his name, uh, K.J. Wright and uh, Gerald McCoy. What about just Bond a little, little, little Bond. Bond. See, Josina doesn't make predictions, but she wants to talk about it. I just ask pregnant questions. That's all. <laughs> oh, 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 you have, Josina. You want to kind of tease it? No, I, I, you know, I just think it's interesting. Um, because I will, I will say this with regards to the Ravens. I am concerned about the passing game, um, but I'm not concerned about Lamar's passing. And I think that that was a hot topic with the Ravens um, and how Lamar played, I think, in the last game of the postseason. I think I kind of had a couple of, uh, you know, tweets that I might have put out there and replied to uh, some things that uh, Ryan Clark had said, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, my, my, but my, but uh, I, I do want to say, because I know you had mentioned something about Lamar, I'll just really quickly say that I do feel like Lamar has put a lot into improving his passes. You know, people talk about his ability to pass the ball downfield. He can, you know, make the, the, the throws outside the hash and, and things like that. Um, just like any quarterback where we've seen Josh Allen, it, it, what was it in that last game? He didn't quite go Nathan Peterman, but every quarterback has a Nathan Peterman game in them. <laughs> that wasn't Lamar's strongest ending, but I do think that his, uh, his passing has improved and he should be given credit, especially you know, the fact that uh, uh, the fact that he has, you know, gotten into the postseason at this point in his career. Um, I, I think I think that that he should be credited for the improvements that he's made. That's all. Oh, I'm yeah. I do think Lamar Jackson has improved as a mm -hmm. passer. Now, can he mm -hmm. get better? Yes. Because mm -hmm. when I analyze him during the playoffs, teams kind of take away the Ravens running ability and force Lamar Jackson to pass the football. And so I think some of his deficiencies passing the football come into light in the postseason. Now he's gotten markedly better since his rookie year passing the football. Can he improve? Yes. But I do think he's gotten better. I do agree there. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, guys, look, this is this has been the his story ever since, you know, he, he left here out of South Florida and Pompano Beach. In Louisville, they, they worried about how he was going to play, how he was going to pass. He was running the ball too much. Sure enough, he won a Heisman. You know, his second season here in the NFL improved drastically from the rookie year, like, like, like you mentioned, Tyler. Improved drastically. Improved as a passer, too. And I think the, the playoff game in Buffalo, like you mentioned, Josina, I think that's in the back of his mind, too. That was not the way 
that you want to go out in, in his in his first playoff berth. Um, everybody's kind of say, okay, he he's already won an MVP. Um, he didn't make the playoffs, not even made the playoffs, and now this season is really to see what kind of player Lamar Jackson really is. And I and I think he makes those strides this year. Mm. Yeah, it, um, I I will be keeping an eye on his endurance through the game after catching COVID twice. Uh, I want to see you know how his breathing holds up. That was something that mm. I noticed with Miles Garrett towards the end of the season, who really had like a long COVID bout. You could see him breathing and breathing. And I remember that game against you know the Steelers and things like that. So I'll be watching. It's one thing when you're doing it in practice. It's another thing when you're at football max speed trying to endure over four four quarters. So I'll be just seeing how he not only manages the game overall. But in terms of just, you know, him in general. So anyways, that was the picks with the uh, insiders for Sports Plus. We'll see if any of that uh, comes true, whether they go 0 for 4 or 4 for 4 or make any type of sense. So we'll, we'll revisit that next we're going, week. We're going, we're going 5 and 0. Tyler and I mm. are going 5 mm. and 0. I think mm. we agreed on all our picks, too. Mm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, that would be 5 since it is 5 games. Jeez, yeah. Space Cadet. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to take one off of y'all. Ta- already taking one off. Josina and Tyler, you guys took us to the to the nail salon, the barber shop. We got what if? Did the Browns win the Super Bowl last year? According to Josina, they did. Tyler's already calling the Chiefs to to win the Super Bowl this year over the Bucks. I don't know if I'm ready to give that one to to you, Tyler, but I really love Patrick Mahomes as well too. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder.